I'm Lily. I'm Lorraine, and, and we're, we're caffeinated, caffeinated and, and on, on the train. train. So,、uh, on that note, what have you been up to, Lorraine? Um, I have been very busy for、yes. the last week. Few, yeah, a few weeks, I guess. Well, I mean, like I'm kind of busy in my life, but yeah, for、yeah. for the last week especially, <clears throat> I've been working on the conference paper because this is like really coming up now. Yeah, when is it? Um, it's on the. Ninth and tenth of March. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so it's, it's coming up real fast, and almost all of the time between now and then is going to be me in Korea. Korea. Yeah. So I'm just life and times of Lorraine right yeah, there. Just an average. Yeah. Average <laughs> um, but I really want to have like some kind of workable draft before I get on the plane, so that during the time there, I can can, can I can continue kind of poking at it and reshaping、yeah. it. But I want to have all the material there, and you don't want to be like overwhelmed and stressed and preoccupied. Exactly,、yeah. I don't want to be like meeting the minister of <laughs> veterans affairs, thinking like, "Oh, I have so many points I need to make about Victorian porn." Yeah, no, you can't have that. <laughs> Although I feel like it would be very on brand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's Lorraine problems.、Yeah. That's <laughs> wow. If I ever heard of, of Lorraine problems, <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> yeah, I understand that though. How to Get what you need because the thing is that I'm realizing also with going to Mexico City and needing to do this proto-fascism aesthetics and blast paper, we're really covering a lot of ground here <laughs> in our academic pursuits. But、um, as much as I think something that I struggle with in general is that I'm not in fact a robot. Like I can't. Ideas really do take time to mature, and I think you you can have these goals. And I think you're further along on your Victorian porn kind of conceptions and, and ideas that you have. I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> we know that's true. Did, did you know? <laughs> have I told you that in my second year of、no. my undergrad, I did a presentation for a research methods class on Victorian porn. That's a great choice. And my that's so interesting. My professor for that class follows me on Instagram. And she, I love that. Yeah, one of those too. She like replied to one of my stories where I like post the things I'm doing. Oh, and she's like, I remember the <laughs> yeah good times. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Shannon! <laughs> wow, it's like it, she posted an emoji <laughs> reply. Oh, oh, yeah.、Um, but yeah, I I find I'm working on this paper, and as much as I want to, and I'm going to continue trying to pursue my goal of having a draft. For the same reasons as you, although I'm not meeting the, what is it, the Minister of Veterans Affairs of Korea? I unfortunately <laughs> he's probably not going to be in Mexico. <laughs> no, but you never you know, know who you might run. You、into. never know who you might run into in Mexico City. Yeah,、um, that's true.、Um, but you need anyway, to be prepared. You definitely do. You definitely do, especially as、uh, someone who believes in the Fourth International. Trotsky、uh, lived there. He went there. You know, maybe someone else will be in exile at the time. That I'm there, you never know.、Um, but anyway, yeah, I think that's <clears throat> a lesson I'm continually learning. Is that, like, I don't know. There's just only so much I can work and work on this paper. But at the end of the day, I might just need more time to to fully. And as I maybe said the last time, I think you have to remember that you your brain is working even when you're not like sitting at the computer or reading or whatever else like. And that's something that you need to, we need to allow ourselves, I think, and and understand, because the intricacies and and trying to make sense of blast and 
come up with insights about it and, you know, really explore it and give it, I don't want to say give it the like breath it deserves. <laughs> I don't know if that's, I don't know if Blast is, deserves any, its authors deserve anything, but. I do, I think it does deserve quite a bit of attention so that it like, is not allowed <laughs> to simply exist. No, I agree with that. That's a good way to say it. And, and, and in actuality, spending hours, and it's just, yeah, I mentioned this earlier, but it's just intellectually overwhelming to try and piece together what's going on and fascism itself is a system full of contradictions and it's yeah and I think that's something that I have to learn in general about preventing burnout Mm -hmm. um which is something I definitely struggle with that exerting an intense amount of intellectual energy for hours and hours and hours multiple days in a row like that's not sustainable and like so I think approach I'm going for in general as a kind of anecdote, and we can talk, we'll talk more about this with burnout, but I think one thing is that I think a, a better approach is to really celebrate what you are able to do. Absolutely. Rather than focus on the lack of how much your poor brain is able to grapple with blast <laughs> in one, one sitting. I think it's so important, <clears throat> and we will talk about this for sure later on, yeah. but because our work can be so nebulous. Yeah. It's so important to set hard limits. Yeah. We're only going to work on it for this long. Yeah. We're only going to read this many articles. And then at some point it just needs, there needs to be a sharp cut off. (laughs) Yes. Because otherwise it's, you can just go on forever. Definitely. You truly can. I mean, I, I, as I mentioned, I have this like sprawling document full of, uh, different texts I want to read and ones I've already read and it's just like and it's just so easy to go down rabbit holes and it's important to kind of um recognize also and they say this about reading in general but like if you start reading a paper and you actually don't feel like the the quality of of the paper or or the the main kind of argument of the paper is actually so relevant that you can stop reading it like you can just say okay I, I read this for 30 minutes and like I don't really think this is going down the line <clears throat> of logic that I, I, I'm looking for and I'm going to just take a step back or to go to the library and work intensely on something for two hours, write a thousand words and then just be like, okay, that's what I'm able to do today. I need to like get out of here. Exactly. <laughs> I need to go home. I need to, maybe I'll read later, but like I, that's what my brain can do today. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's just an important thing. Otherwise, in my experience, I just crash or yeah, or then I like I can't look at it for three days. Like I just you know. So I think yeah, you really and that have to is pace not yourself. Productive. No, 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 and it's not really healthy to be no. honest. So no, yeah, this kind of like up and down. So that's something that I'm definitely learning, and I think is important because this is just a taste of writing longer and more larger projects and stuff. You know, so yeah. So as our, our listeners may be able to discern by the fact that both of us are about to go on vacations overseas, yeah. uh, we have just finished the first semester of our master's we degree. High five! It's like cue a, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what noise, a champagne bottle popping maybe. And like a noisemaker like... Yeah, like some kind of... Yeah. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly the thought, I mean, sound that... Comes to mind when I think about finishing our first semester. When I edit this, I'll put in some sound effects. Yeah, Just kidding, I absolutely will not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we um, we finished our first semester, which is one quarter of the way done. Yeah, which is also pretty nuts. That's yeah in itself. Do you feel like 
you've simultaneously spent so much time in this setting already and yet at the same time can't believe that they yeah. are of the way done because that's where I am. My like perception of time in this realm is just I yeah it's it's really it's defying physics like I <laughs> it's on both sides as you're saying it's like we've been here forever but also, it just went by so fast. Yeah. I, I'm having really a hard time dealing with the idea that I'm already one quarter done. It's going to be freaky when it's one year done. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not okay with that. I think I no. need to take, like, three more masters. Honestly, I mean, I think I am going to, so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I don't, I mean, yeah, it's weird. It's definitely a weird phenomenon that we're here already. But I think that the same time. I won't really feel like it's over until I turn in my, like, last paper. It's huh. daunting. True. So. But, I, uh, yeah, I got my stuff from uh, Ruth. Our professor for, like, two-thirds of the <laughs> classes get uh, offered. She literally teaches two-thirds of my classes. Yeah. So, But um, I got my work back from her, and that was nice. How did you do? Uh, I mean, it's just, again, and we'll talk about this later, too, but, like, I don't, I mean, it's, so I'm, to be different. clear, I'm not asking about your grade. I'm asking, <laughs> like, are you happy with what I did? Yeah. 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 I mean, as much as you could be, like, happy with uh, a paper about Dubliners. So, no, not happy at all. <laughs> like, <I'm>, Miserable, really. <laughs> just no emotion. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I I think it's mostly that the biggest feeling I'm getting right now is just, like, the satisfaction of working on something and completing it. Yes. And, like, very early, mm-hmm. you know, that feels good, um, <clears throat> for two thirds of my classes, like, that's, I feel good about myself that I was able to finish both of those things, and, like, get good feedback about that, mm-hmm. um, this early on, I think that that's, I guess, the main feeling that I get, I don't really know, like, if I'll ever look at or think about that paper again, <laughs> I honestly think, and Ruth agreed, like, I think the analysis that I did, was compelling and good. I mean, maybe someday I can do it. At the same time, I think the thing is it's, like, too short of a paper to really, like, I don't know, get it published. I mean, I guess if there is, if there is like, an obscure journal of some sort, maybe I mean, we wrote abstracts already. Like, it, it wouldn't be that hard to just submit it. But. I feel like there are journals that publish a very wide range of lengths. So, that, like, a lot of them would be longer papers. But, like, I feel like I see paper, papers published in journals, like, that are – only if maybe like 10 pages long something. I'm imagining like some hungover undergraduate student <laughs> I mean, like this paper is short yeah. <laughs> give it a read <laughs> really though he's like deeply disturbed by like their conceptions of time like <laughs> throws them into like <laughs> dark like <laughs> it's like not what they bargained for at all because that's what Ruth was saying and I agree like I think the thing that is so striking about this kind of conception of temporality and capitalism wait, wait, that wait. I discussed do you want to tell the listeners what your paper was about yes so, In like two sentences. So paper was called, I think this kind of sums it up, paper is called Modern Times, Capitalist Conceptions of Temporality in Dubliners. Cap- capitalist Temporalities in Dubliners, something like that. I like that even better. Yeah, and yeah, shorter is better. I can tell. Yeah. I can tell by the way you said it. It's got colon in it. Oh, of course, there's a colon. Always a colon. Yeah. <laughs> I, did you write a paper if there's no colon in that title? No. Yeah, that's that's where you really have your fun. Yeah, <laughs> write papers for the titles. I love coming up with titles. Honestly, though. Um, but yeah, basically, paper is just about the way that 
society is transformed under capitalism and one kind of example of that is the way that we understand time, which for me is very striking on a personal level because I think I'm a very like punctual, very time-oriented person and I think our experience of time is very intimate and to think that it's also just a social construct brought in by capitalism, the specter of capitalism is... (laughs) Uh, that's striking. And Ruth, our professor, even was saying, like, I don't think I'm ever going to look at a clock the same way again. Like, it really got in her head, which was what I was hoping for. Yeah. (laughs) Love messing with people's minds. Um, Dubliners, as we know, our strategy was basically to just, like, secondary. (laughs) We're just, (laughs) our strategy is to talk as little about (laughs) About Dubliners as possible. As possible. I got my paperback from Ruth as well. Yeah, 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 she had some good news about that. Yeah, it went really well. Um, She wrote on the bottom, like, now you never have to think about James Joyce again. She's like, like, you get me. (laughs) Yeah, Ruth. She's props to Ruth. Best. She is the best. I literally sometimes am going about my day, and I'm just like, Ruth is so awesome, like, Oh, and then she wrote – so my other class I take with Ruth is, like, it's kind of – it's very postmodern, but it's it's called Writing Beyond Boundaries. And it's basically, like, another kind of angle to, to approach academic writing that's a little bit more creative. I don't know. Um, but – so we do many different types of uh, creative nonfiction. And my portfolio – um, one of the sections was um, about family history, and it was so amazing. I mean, we'll talk more about this too, but uh, this is so cute. Like at the end, I, I wrote about my mom, and I had this really moving discussion with my mom for this family history assignment. And Ruth wrote at the bottom, like, say hi to your mom for me. It's like, that's so sweet. She's such a sweetheart. I know. I know. She's wonderful. Love her. Yeah. So, anyway. She also has two cats. I, I saw know. pictures of them the other day. Oh, you saw pictures? Yeah. Because Lucky. while she was grading my portfolio, one of them came and laid on her laptop. Ah, uh, yeah. Classic. So she took a picture and then showed it. It's so That's cute. That's so cute. You're so oh, sweet. I know. I love cats. Yes. I want one. I think I'm going to get one, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm really... Yeah. When I get back from Mexico, it's my... My next goal. I strongly support you in that pursuit. Oh, okay. I will help by petting it. Yeah, yeah, you can come over. Yes. We're, we're going to start recording the podcast at your place. So yeah, like... we'll get it really stoned on catnip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> Yeah, but it's going to have a good life, this cat. I, I will love the cat. I'll probably love the cat to the point where it's, like, overwhelmed by me. And it's like, please, six foot distance. <laughs> My cat files for a restraining order against me. That's, <laughs> that's more likely the case. <laughs> Yeah. Follow for updates. <laughs> yeah. That's adorable. Honestly. Yeah. I have to say, I was so inspired by you with your portfolio and how soon you got it Thank in. you. Thank like, you. <clears throat> I think that's such a good idea because, like, it's not actually that much extra work that you have to put into no. it. No. Um, so having it kind of out of the way is so Precisely. Satisfying. It's just, like, those two things were kind of low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had managed to get to a solid point on both of them. And something I want to note, too, again, that I think is an important thing with my whole kind of often kind of struggle to pace myself and to um, – I am I'm like, the, the most serial setting, like, insane high standard. I've always been this way, like, very overachieving person. Um, but I think with this paper, I mean, with this portfolio, I had initially had another – um, piece that I wanted to put in the portfolio and it was honestly driving me nuts it was, I was like losing sleep over it and it, first of all this is a class that is creative 
first and foremost. And the paper is a fictal criticism piece. And it was something that I actually had written a couple of years ago. And I definitely feel like I developed it more. But the truth of the matter was that trying within like this very tight self-imposed deadline to finish it and and give it like the life it deserves as a piece of writing it just wasn't going to happen in a satisfying way and also currently was like way over the word limit so it's not I don't want to do that to Ruth who reads like an insane amount of, of students work every week so I made the executive decision to change the pieces that I include in the portfolio which was honestly like an act of self-care and I think there's, again, I think that kind of have like reserving the right to set boundaries that are healthy within your kind of workload and academic career, intellectual pursuits is really important. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I, I'm also actually more, even more proud of myself maybe than, than even hitting these deadlines so soon. And I think that's a, a little kernel of, I don't know, <laughs> wisdom. I, I wisdom that I'm spinning as I go. Yes. <laughs> I would say. strongly agree with this. I so agree with this as an act of self-care. I dare say that this is a lesson that we may have learned this semester. We may have. Mm. I mean, I might have to learn it again next semester, but yeah, I, I would say so. I, I, I do think this was, yeah, definitely a, a, maybe again – Maybe even more important than the, any insights that I discover in Blast. Any I knew. I find it hard to believe that there's anything <laughs> more important than an insight you discover in Blast, Blast. But go on. A very confusing insight that contradicts itself two <laughs> pages later is pretty much where I'm at right now with Blast. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that those kinds of things are just as important to our maturing and developing as people working in academia mm-hmm. and shouldn't be underestimated. Should we start with favorite moments, favorite classes? Should we just start? Yeah, yeah. Now we start. Okay. <laughs> now we start with <laughs> this item one. This just the appetizer. Yeah, favorite classes, favorite moments. Favorite class. Well, what, let's say what our classes also were. Right. Um, so... The classes that I took were, um, I I went by, basically, we have two years to do the master's degree, and I went with the suggested, um, for the first, the suggested mo- modules and course load, um, for, that's where I started. So I did one core module, mm-hmm. um, Minor Modernists, which consists of a lecture and a tutorial, something like that. Yeah, there's a... It's a, a graduate course, is the minor modernists, and then there's the modernists in language, which is the tutorial. Yeah. And those go together into one, one module. Yes. One core module. Yes, right. Okay. Lorraine and I took that together. I'm very bad at these kind of specifics. I'm just, just wandering around. Why I'm <laughs> yeah, I add honestly. value. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then I took the two academic writing modules. So the minor modernist, the core module is one semester long, and then these academic, I mean, these writings, communication skills, what are they, I'm so bad at this. The, uh, the they, like, skills, because it's not only academic. It like, used to be called language modules. Right. When they were, like, meant more for German speakers. Mm. Now I think they're called skills modules. Okay, so I'm taking two skills modules, which span... They're segmented into two semesters, but they span across the whole year. And I'm taking two of them. I'm taking academic writing and also this uh, course, Writing Beyond Boundaries, which is basically the first semester was focused on creative nonfiction and kind of alternative forms to academic writing. 
Um, and let's see. Well, I loved the... I love. I personally had a great time in the minor modernist class because I am personally interested in modernism as it um, as a reflection of capitalism and also particularly in the um, kind of rise and propagation of fascism as well as leftist social movements. But for me, like early twentieth century, um, with my background, which is I think makes me more interested in the sort of theory and like political currents that are happening. Actually, to be honest, more than the literature, although I see that as a potential manifestation or unit of analysis. So I really liked that class. Um, I thought the evening class was, I think you had to make peace with what it was. I think, again, going back to this idea that I think when you go into it feeling like it's, it's, it would be miserable if you were like bent on like how we are being assessed and like that there were specific things we were supposed to be taking away from it. Like when we were all kind of in that headspace, I think the class was very like overwhelming and like kind of frustrating and not satisfying. But once you just were like, I'm especially with Mahler, like just go, we're just going with the flow or just take from it what you want. Nothing, maybe a lot of things. I think that we actually end up doing some interesting readings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't hate it. I didn't like that it was late at night there was some, in a hot, crowded room with not enough seats. framing problems with yeah. that class. And maybe at some point we can talk about yeah. class structure. And, like, all that. Probably yeah. not in this episode. We've got a lot, a lot on A lot going on here. But, yeah. like, at some point I would like to talk about the ways in which classes can be framed for more effective delivery. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and the fact that, like, yeah, what, what does it mean? Like, what were these kind of terms of... I already forgot what they were. Tutorial. What were we saying? Tutorial. <laughs> so bad. This was a tutorial. Yeah, how there's a tutorial, but then the structure of the class were like more or less the same. Yeah, which was I like it was different because the morning class had presentations, and the evening class. class I mean, they theoretically had presentations, but like the presentation like more discussions. The presentation was more like prompting, discussion. like leading the discussion. Slightly. Yeah, but the, like they were maybe different in degree of like, yeah. but yeah. not really, not like very radically different, and 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 the actual kind of. Not as different as they could have been, or mm-hmm. what maybe was implied by the meanings. Um, so anyway, yeah, but I like that class. Um, I didn't, I mean, I don't not like academic writing, but I don't know. I didn't take it because I was, like, excited. I just took it because I thought, I've been out of school for three years, and um, I am sure I could use, like, a refresher on some of these kind of things, and, and it would be good to feel more confident um, as I move forward in an academic career tract, whatever that ends up being. Um, and then I really loved the Writing Beyond Boundaries class because I thought there's something really special about our class because a lot of these things are ended up um, being their personal um, the creative nonfiction we were doing and a lot of things I just think the culture of the class was really beautiful because people felt comfortable opening up and people were very supportive and some like I say some of the prompts were deeply personal and it was almost like therapy and I know a lot of people felt that way so I I I really love I loved reading other people's writing I thought the feedback was like very good and respectful and I always felt like a warmth in that class and um just like people really were close and that's that's something I'm really touched with in the program in general is that I just feel the people are maybe even the best part. I think the the I just feel like every day like so grateful that like I'm in a program with people that are so genuinely nice and supportive and who make efforts to help each other and stay in touch and, and yeah. meet outside of school. I mean, I think that that's really special and I'm not really sure 
and that's maybe just like random luck or what but like I, I just feel compared to my undergraduate experience like that means so much and I like count my lucky stars every day to have that in my life it's just true I completely agree the culture in these classes is so good people have such a good mix of being like really passionate about their subjects but in a sometimes people are very passionate but they're in kind of a confrontational aggressive or self-important way and I don't get that hardly at all I mean there are moments who doesn't have moments yeah but Mm -hmm. Almost across the board, people are open to hearing new opinions. They are supportive of each other's goals. They're yeah. positive. It's a really yeah. healthy group. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, because I felt the same when I, I was um, an exchange student in Denmark, and I was doing um, I was working in a master's program there. And I'm not sure if, again, it's like this kind of European style or what, but I do think part of it that I have noticed as a difference is um, there's less like of this sort of competitive intensity, again, because I think that grades, as I, I do, I think grades are this kind of construct that shift the motivations a bit, mm-hmm. and also, um, aside from that, like, I think the fact that when schools cost a lot of money, I just feel like these kind of things add a dimension of pressure that... Um, I don't really feel as here. I don't think, I feel like there's just like less, the stakes are not high if you are wrong. Like there's no even wrong here. Like there really isn't. No, to be fair, that may also be slightly because we're in a literature program. True. true. I'm not saying that literature is a uh, loose and fuzzy field of study at times. But I'm not not saying saying. that. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's kind of across the board in literature studies that there's no wrong answer, only wrong ways of getting to it. Yeah, that's true. That but, I, that's probably valid. But I do think there's something inherently like not. And and you're right. Like maybe this is something that's especially new to me. But I also feel like there's just like a lack of, yeah, of. I don't know. I I don't feel like I I think there's something about this sort of like more egalitarian feel. Of, there's no like sense of superiority or like no one's on a high horse in any of these classes no no (laughs) can you get on your high horse about Ezra Pound I think not (laughs) definitely not yeah so I think that that probably but anyway that was my um favorite classes spiel (laughs) so I shared three classes with you I was in both halves of modernist module and I was also in academic writing with you I feel like we come at both of these from quite different pers- all three of these. Surely. All three of these from quite different perspectives. Um, I hate the modernists with a burning fiery passion. <laughs> and yet I do have really fond memories of Yeah, it was fun. I had fun. Some of some of the individual class sections of the minor modernist class, the morning one, the grad course, some of the best classes I've ever been in. The one on little magazines. Where we talked about yeah, glass. it was amazing. So good. So I much know, fun. that was so much fun. And a lot of the presentations, I had it fun. Yeah, yeah. And you could tell that presenters were interested in their topics, and they had done their research, and they had things to say. Again, there were some framing issues, but, yeah, but at least people had things that they wanted to get out there into conversation. Um. I, I always had a really great time sitting next to you. I know. And every time... Our boys, our Ezra boys. and Wyndham. <laughs> they were there. They were there 
all the everywhere. Time. <laughs> yeah, they really were. Yeah. I also really enjoyed the presentation or the like three minute segment of a presentation I gave in that class. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of fun preparing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really cool um and I, I'm I'm also I think it should be noted. Actually I guess both of ours were things that like we added to the course um curriculum, canonization and fascism as, as elements of um, of minor modernists because they weren't initially the ones that they had listed. Yeah. And I think they were both valid additions and I definitely liked your presentation. It was Thank great. You. It was, yeah, it was good. But actually, now that you say I totally agree with you, I think all of them were interesting. I think all, every single one of them had very interesting elements to them and it was actually nice to hear from like these different people every time. Mm-hmm. There was not a single presentation where I was spending the whole time being like, oh! Like, this is a waste. Yeah, really, every single one was genuinely interesting. Yeah, or it gave me interesting fields to go down, interesting, Good like, jokes. Good uh, jokes. To be had. <laughs> good anecdotes about the modernists. Yeah. Oh, Carrie's from our presentation, when someone at a futurist, like, play said, throw an idea instead of a potato, you idiots. <laughs> I, that's just oh, like, that like on my gravestone or yeah. something. <laughs> I'll make sure that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that you're going to be overseeing my funeral proceedings. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm telling you now, this is a verbal <laughs> will. <laughs> and it's now immortalized. Yes. <laughs> um, with the evening class, I feel like midway through the semester, I had like a sea change of how I was seeing that class. Mm-hmm. I, I think I remember this day. Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> when we were, we were on the... Yeah, I the do platform exactly of the this. U-Bahn. Yeah, I do. After this. the class, and I said that I'd had a horrible realization. Yeah, <laughs> and we were all like, <gasps> right. all of us like turned our heads. <laughs> I remember the say exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, it's, I think I need to work harder at this class. Like, we were like, Lorraine, no, <laughs> no, Lorraine. <laughs> but like, really, because I felt like the first several sections of that class, I was kind of coasting, mm. and it was not fun. That's interesting. That's interesting. I was like, I would do the reading. We even had our reading group and we would talk about it. But I felt like I wasn't really, I wasn't good faith engaging with the readings. That's really interesting because I feel like I had the opposite. Well, you continue. Yeah, and it's not, it's not about like what I wanted to, how to say this? Because I very much agree with your point that you kind of take from it what you want to take. And my issue was, like, I want to get more from this class. And to do that, I need to be putting more in. Because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to stay on campus until 8 p.m. to, like, not get something that's out of a, class. That's a very good point. So after that, I started reading with, like, a lot more rigor. I took better notes, like, before the class. And in our reading group, I like, I think I talked to you about this. I made a real effort to be positive about the readings. That was a big thing, a big thing that I noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's interesting that you say that because I feel like for me, it's interesting because I think that maybe we come at academia from like a sl- like maybe, I mean, I'm now thinking this, I'm not sure, but yeah, because I think for me, it was more actually almost the opposite realization that like I need to just like relax into this class. Yeah. And just. Take it as it comes. I feel like the Lacan section and also the Plesner section were things that I'm going to remember for a long time, for example. And that, I don't know, I think there was definitely insights, but I also kind of liked, and it was new for me to take a class that didn't have, again, like any specific assessment or grade attached to it. I mean, it was just kind of 
for your own information and interest. And that was new for me, and I actually liked it. And, again, it was the same. Like, I think I had the same sort of, like, floundering feeling at the beginning. And then I, I think the way I kind of embraced it was by almost the opposite approach. Yeah. Which is interesting. So I think while we kind of <clears throat> came to different conclusions about what we needed to do, we were actually, like, following a very similar trajectory yeah. with regards to how we think about this class. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting way to say it. And then for academic writing... I, I'm very passionate about teaching academic writing. Yeah, you were a great addition to the class in that, in that respect. I, like, I worked for several years as a writing tutor. Um, I've given like presentations about it. It's something that I like. I think is a very important skill for people to have. Yes. And there's so much bad academic writing out there. There is so much bad. And I agree there. I mean, you know my kind of yeah. stance on yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Anytime in that class we were talking about writing as like a skill or a discipline or a yeah. series of techniques, I was having a great time. Yeah, and you, like I say, you really added a lot to that class. And I think we're very able to articulate and to, like, in a quick way, see, like, ways to improve the writing and, and in a way that I think was really useful to everybody. Thank you. I'm, that's really good to hear. Yes. Because um, that's something that I really want in my future as a teacher. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but every time we talked about the Dubliners, I just, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh my god, paralysis, you don't say, <laughs> epiphany. Alienation. <laughs> I am wow. forever allergic to the word epiphany now. I'm like exhaustedly rubbing my eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I don't know, I'm excited for the next term, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious too about yeah. what we will... Yeah, because the next the next half of this academic writing class is more free form, and we have to write a longer paper, but one on a topic of our choosing, which could be anything, which is exciting because that's a lot of things that could be, that it could be. The world is our oyster. Yeah, we're gonna shuck it. <laughs> we're gonna shuck the hell out of that oyster. <laughs> Mark our words. So uh, this is gonna be our time for uh, Wyndham Lewis colon language top. <laughs> It's definitely uh, in the realm of possibilities. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. In six months, we'll have uh, something good to show show our dear listener. <laughs> yeah. And Ruth. <laughs> yeah, by then we'll have two listeners. Yeah. yeah. Ruth would love this. I'm sure. She would love it. I think she really would. She'd, she'd listen to it on her commute. Aww. That's yes. cute. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... I also... Oh, you had had another class. Right, yes. Yeah, you had another class. That's right. Yeah, I had actually had two other classes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, right, because it was another module, right? Or you had two other modules. Or you were taking... You tell tell me. So I was taking... So I had the one skills class with you, the academic writing, and then I was in one other skills class. Right. And it's also taught by Ruth because she carries our department on her shoulders and she teaches all the skills class because she is a goddess. Yeah, she's amazing. I I don't... I want to be Ruth when I grow up. Um, yeah, seriously, goals. Yeah. Um, so this other class, actually, no, I'm going to save that for last because it was my favorite class. Mm. So first I'll tell you about the other half of a module, question mark, that I took. This, ah, like the fir- that's what perpetually it was. forgotten medieval Shakespeare that's course. That's what it was, okay. Yeah. This was on Monday mornings and there were only like maybe 10 of us in the class. And it was a course on Shakespeare and temporality. Who taught it? Wolfram Keller, who is, I think, from Humboldt okay. and was maybe just on loan to us 
Or maybe he's transferred here. I'm not positive. Yes, this is interesting. I didn't know any. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We almost never talked about <laughs> No. Well, it's, Lizzie and I were both in the class, and um, there were, like, a couple of other people. I feel like I occasionally hear about people in this class, but, yeah. yeah. But, um, it was... It was a very small class, which is nice. Yeah, that I, is nice. And def- a departure from yes. other classes. Yes. Not to name names, but minor modernists <laughs> had 70 people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 60 chairs. 60 chairs. 60 chairs, Not 70 people. It was yeah. great. Awesome. Um, I felt that this class was challenging because it relied on on our familiarity with a theoretical basis that we were not actually familiar with. Mm. Because we were, it was a whole class on temporality, which was also what you wrote your paper on yes. about Dubliners. Yeah, thanks though for that at least. You're welcome. Um, so I got, I got the reading that I sent to you from that yeah, class. Yeah, yeah, it's all coming together now. Yeah. But like, I was sort of, having a hard time throughout that class making connections between the theory that we're reading and the primary texts, the Shakespeare texts. And I'm still not positive I'm 100% comfortable with mm. what temporality means in the context of Shakespeare. Even though, I swear to God, I did all of the secondary readings, even the optional ones, and I read, like, two-thirds of the most important seminal text on the series, which is still sitting there right on my desk. It's the one called Reading the Medieval mm. that we talked about in the last episode. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but I'm writing a term paper for that one. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what's the... And what is the term paper? Um, so I'm writing about Titus Andronicus, which is uh, my favorite play. Have yes. I told you about Titus Andronicus? No, I don't think I've heard anything from you about it. Oh my gosh. Okay. It is, it's an early Shakespeare play, and it is a Shakespeare play that many scholars have described as bad. Um, Your favorite. You, this is... I, I so yeah. love... <laughs> I, I especially love that it's a Shakespeare play that's bad, because, like, Shakespeare... Yeah, he's that's fallible. true. He was... Yeah, that's true. He was capable of writing, you know, not, not the greatest. And, like, I... On a, a plot and impact level, I love Titus Andronicus. I actually think it has one of the best plots and morals of all of Shakespeare's plays mm. regarding revenge. Mm. It was like, this is way off track. I hope this is fascinating no, for you. Okay, then I'll keep going. Um, most Shakespearean revenge tragedies, like a bad thing's happened bad thing happens at the beginning and then at the end it's rectified like hamlet you know king is killed murderer is killed right spoiler alert for hamlet yeah (laughs) so what i like about titus andronicus is that there's multiple cycles of revenge during the play and every time it gets worse Mm. and like at the end of the play it's not that things have been like restored to balance it's just that we've run out of people to die (laughs) And, like, the very last line of the play is one more actor. The, like, one person who's left alive is still taking revenge on, like, the corpses Mm. of all the people Mm. who have died horribly. So this, I think, is a genuinely impactful plot. Yeah. But also, it is at times so bafflingly incompetently written. (laughs) Like, there are... 
the plot is so complicated. Like, needlessly <laughs> complicated. You know how, um, like, movie producers say you should be able to explain your plot in 25 words? <laughs> Shakespeare spits in your face. <laughs> even name all the main characters in that um things happen like there's this one scene where a character comes in with a bag of gold and then explains that he's gonna bury the bag of gold and i'm still not sure why that happened (laughs) and uh, the the best thing is that so spoiler alert the like climactic scene of titus andronicus is titus feeding a woman her two sons baked into pies whoa this this incredibly horrifying, gory scene is rendered entirely in rhyme. <laughs> and nothing will wow. ever be funnier than that. It's the only <laughs> rhyming scene in the play. <laughs> so how, how should I put this? <laughs> how can I convey the gravity of this situation? I know. <laughs> We're going to rhyme it. How about a rhyme? Yeah. So I'm really only writing about Titus Andronicus because I love it so much. That's a strategy, I feel. It is. Yeah. But I think in terms of temporality, it does have some interesting things going on because it's set in an antique setting. Mm. A sort of uh, corrupt, falling apart Roman Empire. Mm. Um, I'm not sure exactly where that's situated in the history of Rome, precisely, I could probably look that up because we know that it's the Romans fighting with the Goths, so I could figure out mm. what time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think more importantly, this shows some interesting things about how early modern writers and audiences conceptualized the antique period. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. A lot that's of, an interesting point. Yeah, a lot of discussion about temporality for early modern is just like contrasting medieval and early modern. Right. So. Yeah, you yeah, you mentioned that before. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. Yeah. Um so then the last class. Sorry I just spent like ten minutes telling you what kind of Andronicus. <laughs> the the more of, you know. The kind of quality content our re- our listeners Listener. are going to, <laughs> going to acquire. Um the last class is also with Ruth. Is mm-hmm. called Creative Approaches to Translation, or Transcreation for short. Yes, yes, yes. And it's basically, it's a creative writing kind of class, but with like a little translation theory thrown in. And it's all about adaptation and like translating, in finger quotes, Mm -hmm. a text from one setting to another, or from one audience to another. Yeah, this is very interesting as a concept. And the class group for this so beautiful. Things. I'm in the that chat group. That's yeah. how warm. I <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. It's so sweet. There's maybe ten of us, yeah. but like fewer who come every week or came every week. It's on Friday afternoon, so only the really excited people are there. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's such a supportive group to do this writing in. Yeah. If I could offer one criticism, I feel like we're so supportive sometimes that we have a little difficulty articulating our Any comments. Constructive feedback. Yeah, and not not even, like, that people aren't, like, saying bad things. But, like, sometimes people say very kind things that are not specific. Mm-hmm. And then that's, like, sweet, but of limited help. But... Yeah. Nonetheless, like, the vibe is so good, so positive, I feel like I can always ask questions about things like that. Yeah. 
And the assignments in that class are so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I relate to that. Yes. I made a portfolio online Mm -hmm. for that class. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we figure out how to, like, post this podcast with show notes. Yeah, we can put some links. Yeah. Yes, because I'm very proud of that portfolio. It involves Titus Andronicus and Blast. And Blast. That's all I need to know. That's It's great. Yeah, the Blast is, is excellent. That was one of the best things I think I read this semester. Thank you. Wow. That was, uh, that was a great, yeah, I had fun. Yeah, fun <laughs> times reading that. Okay, so that's all our classes. We have now gotten through the first. 45, yeah, first question. <laughs> Barely. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe we can move to, so not only... What we not only want to discuss our specific classes, but also the experience of our first semester um, at Frey University uh, in Germany, in Berlin. Um, what that was like in terms of kind of the transition from uh, where we came from, mm-hmm. and uh, how how it differed, maybe and positive and negative ways so both of us are from north america but neither of us came straight from our north american universities no. to fire <laughs> so i um i went to i graduated from uh my undergraduate in 2015 i went to cornell and i studied sociology and international development and i finished my degree as an exchange student in denmark where i was actually focusing and working within a master's program of international development then I moved to Berlin, and I had been working here, traveling and working in various places and at various uh, writing jobs um, for three years before I decided to go back to school. So my background is in um, American education, the American education system, and I had been out of school for a few years before I started this program. And I uh, went to school at the University of Prince Edward Island in eastern Canada. I think the Canadian system is in a lot of ways like the light, spelled L-I-T-E, version of the American <laughs> system. So we, we're, we're similar, but like a little less intense kind mm-hmm. of in general. And I loved my undergrad experience. And then I did an exchange semester at the University of Bamberg in South Germany. Um, and that was the, the semester before this. So, but I was essentially in school the whole time, but I went through this phase of being in a different German school, and so I have that as a kind of point of comparison. Yeah. For yeah. FU. Yeah, that is an interesting point. Yeah. Um, do you care to comment on that? Um, I mean, I've already ranted about Titus Andronicus, so maybe I'll, I'll briefly say, and at some point I would love to expand more on this, um... There were some structural issues with the University of Bamberg that prevented it from being the ideal place for me to intellectually develop. That was very well articulated. Thank you. I have said things like this a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You've had this conversation before. I have had this, yes. (laughs) Um, And through no fault of the professors or of any individual students, but of systemic... Some, some genuine flaws and some just elements of the system, it was not the ideal place for me. And, ho- and on that note, how, um, how would you describe, kind of in light of where you came from, like how would you describe your impressions of FU and your first semester? I would say 
my favorite thing about Efu, as we've kind of talked about, is the culture of passion without competition. Yes, I completely agree with that. Yeah, and this is, to be a little more specific about what I felt at Uni Bamberg, I felt that there was, it was definitely not competitive, mm-hmm. but it was also not, there was not a culture of passion. Yeah. There were individual passionate people, but it wasn't ingrained in the system. Yes, okay. And I, I very much feed off the energies of the people around me. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And so that made me feel very demoralized. Yeah, um, yeah, I get that. And I, I think for me, something that I've just been consistently impressed with the also the level of, and again, maybe it has something to do with the fact that like I didn't study literature, so like I'm already kind of like dazzled by people's kind of backgrounds and, and, and their um, contributions. But I'm consistently impressed with the overall like level of uh, standard of, of people's I don't know, intellectual contributions and, and points that they make and where they come from. And, yeah, people are very passionate, and it's beautiful. And, um, yeah, and I think it's for the right reasons. That's what I feel. And I, I actually have talked to people in other programs at FU because there's this kind of idea that I have known about. for. I've been living in Berlin for um, – I moved here in the summer of 2015, so I have known about this for a while, but that there's this idea that people enroll in school here, because being a student in Berlin is like, got a lot of perks, especially if you don't have, um, if you need a visa, um, and also just, life is discounted here, and so there's this thing, this kind of, and I think that on some level there's there's probably truth to it, that people enroll in university just kind of to reap the benefits without actually like being serious about school and I've heard other people in other programs have found that and have also found that um, it's not so easy to um, make friends or or, like socialize and get to know other classmates because people just kind of come and go from school and I have found both of those things to be very far cries from our experience and I think maybe it has to do with the fact that like everyone here our program is very international. Incredible. Which is something else that I love, especially it's an English literature program, but I feel like we have people coming at it from all over the world, like from from Europe but and North America, but also from the Middle East, from Africa, from Asia, like really people from everywhere. Australia. Think, yeah, Australia. Um, I think there's some Brazilians. Like, I just think... Um, there's no continent that is unrepresented. Yeah, um, and I, I really appreciate that, and I think people are really here for the right reasons, and it, it just, that is something, again, that I, I just feel really, really fond of, and I don't feel there's competition at all. I feel like it's very supportive, and yeah, I, I, I love that about about the program, and I think it's really enhanced my life, especially as living in Berlin and doing myriad other things here. I think being in school has, like, made me just, like, so happy and 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 I've always loved academia, but I I, I have not always been happy in school mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> by any means. So <laughs> so I, I yeah, that's probably my my take on going to school here. Plus, it's free. Yes. Like, <laughs> can, can we talk about the fact that it's free? It's un, like at this point, it's unimaginable to pay money <laughs> to pay like the the tuition that I have to pay to do a master's degree in the U.S. Like, it's unimaginable. I'm just, like, also pat on the – I, like, give myself a pat on the back that I'm, like, thought of this idea. Financially res- – maybe the only financially responsible thing I've ever done in my 25 years of living, but nonetheless. If, if you are a listener somehow 
who is not already enrolled in a German <laughs> university, please change just that. Just do it. Just yeah. do it. Just do it. If you are thinking like, oh, my God. I want to do a master's degree, but I don't want to spend two years being like broke and stressed. And also in debt. Oh, my God. Going into debt. Like deep nosedive into tens of thousands of debt. Don't, just, <laughs> just don't do it. You don't have to. You no. just don't have to do it. Your flight ticket here will be cheaper than your tuition by like an ex. I can't even emphasize enough. It'll be one fortieth of your tuition in the U.S. to get yourself a flight ticket and just come here and do your master's degree. I have to say, I was told when I was in Canada by people who I'm sure meant well that international students in Germany have to pay fees like they do in Canada. This is not true. Yeah. International students have to pay not one cent extra. This does depend on the master's program that you do, actually, as a, cap, as, as, as a warning. Because there are ones that do cost money, but generally I think the humanities ones don't. You're right. I think I, they're like kind of more policy-based, more like businessy I, ones do. And but. there are these like private American-style universities here. Not talking about that. Yeah. Talking about like, but there, yeah, there are enough options that you can probably find something cool to do. There is here. There is no reason why you would have to pay one cent extra yes. as an international student. Yes, would be the better way to say that. Yes, and that that really is an amazing thing. And as we've kind of alluded to already, I think it does shape the culture of school here mm-hmm. in positive ways because I think it just kind of changes the motivation and the level of stress and pressure that goes into studying here and yeah it's just yeah I can't recommend it enough to be honest I do want to say a little bit about that stress and pressure mm-hmm. um because I'm someone who like you said I really react to the people around me mm-hmm. and I find very rigorous environments to be extremely energizing I like the idea of being somewhere where there's like a lot of work and a lot of tasks and you work very hard um I think like mm-hmm. I posted on Instagram when I was at Oxford that I had heard that students have to write four to 6,000 words per week, and I thought that was, like, so sexy. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. So <laughs> I was a little bit concerned in general about this European system where you're not doing that. No, 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 no. We should talk about that yes. for sure. We should expand on Yeah, we should. <laughs> So what is, what is the technical workload of a course? So I'm going to do my best to answer that question in, in the way that you set it up. But um, basically, like, I think the kind of rhythm of the semester is that it starts out that there's basically no – I feel like the first couple of weeks there was really no required readings, and I think – Besides, the academic skills or these, like, communication skills classes aside, because those ones do have more, like, practical assignments that we are doing fairly consistently throughout the the course, whether it's, like, a a writing prompt for, like, the transcreation or the Writing Beyond Boundaries class or kind of ongoing work on a paper that we are submitting kind of our progress. But taking these more, like, the core modules Mm -hmm. as kind of the basis of, like, the actual, like, meat of the program of what we're doing um I don't think besides the final paper that there was really any like hard fast like assessment or like any way of of because I think the idea that's different at least from my experience is that my undergraduate there's there's this thing of them wanting us to prove that like a lot of our assignments were kind of the the motivator was to like prove that we had done the readings that we were doing the work and here there's none of that 
there's no there's no one like making sure that you are doing your work and I think depending on who you are and I don't think it's just a matter of you know any kind of I don't want to like uh, moralize this because I think some people do they need they need more like rigor to if you're not a self-starter if you're if you don't already have an idea of what you're interested in, in doing and like what you what you want to spend your time reading about and in your spare time then I don't think it, it's good for you because and I feel like there's people in our programs who have given the feedback that they feel a little bit sort of let down or like they're they're kind of in free fall and like suddenly we have we only had I only had class two days a week and so you just like leave class and then suddenly it's next week and you're just like what happened I and I, I so I think if you're not someone who's coming into it already with kind of because I'm the other way around maybe and I, I think I'm very intrinsically motivated and I the external stress and pressure I've dealt with and it's not healthy for me and um I do better where no one's encouraging me <laughs> in that way I do not need encouragement in that so I guess that's my spiel about uh, kind of the way the course works, but there's there's very little required, and there's no one checking at all that you're doing any of the work. I mean, there's readings that are required, but they're not. No one, nothing will happen if you don't do them. Yeah, no one would. No one would <laughs> notice if you didn't do them. No, and 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 they. A lot of times, like in terms of if, if we're framing this in terms of the final paper, um, because to be fully honest with you, there were weeks that I really wanted to focus on doing my own readings that I knew were going to finally like, contribute to my own final kind of motives or, or takeaways from the, the course. And those took priority over the readings that were assigned. There were times uh, in full honesty that that was the case. And I think that that there, that's, I don't know, I don't really feel bad about that at all. No, there's absolutely <laughs> like, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It shows that you have your own research focus. And I think a large part of the point of these presentations and assigned readings is to expose people to possible things that they might want to research, like authors or theorists or movements that they might want to... Yeah, primary texts that they might want to follow up on. Yeah. And if you look at the topics and are like, you know what, I know I'm not going to follow up on any of this, then it's a valid decision to say that you're not going to invest hours of your time into reading 100 pages of theory about it. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I, so I think personally, like that, this kind of structure works well for me. But I definitely think that it's something to be like very aware of um, before you decide to get yourself involved in this. But I will say, if you're someone like me who does mm-hmm. thrive on this very rigorous, intense environment, you can still have this in the system. You just have to like kind of put some frameworks in place for yourself to prompt it. You have to, you have to have. <laughs> Um, some kind of structure and tasks and consequences if you're not doing your work in a rigorous way that is um, motivating for you. I found it very important to have time limits on my tasks. So I need to have a certain time frame in which I need to, I need in finger quotes to complete this number of tasks in this order, that's also very helpful. And then I've, like, manufactured rigor for myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely manufacture rigor. I do it all the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> you do it perhaps, like, maybe a little more than... Like, where you're maybe a tourist in manufacturing rigor, I'm a prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe how I would put it. If rigor was North Korea... <laughs> I'm trapped. You're like, ooh, 
Ooh, I'm gonna do a North Korea tour. Yeah, so exciting, so zesty. And I'm like, <laughs> zesty. Help me, <laughs> help me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> on that note, um, we wanted to talk a bit about kind of the flow of the semester, and also, uh, personally, I encountered burnout. I know that was a topic we wanted to discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think. I think that a lot of that maybe has to do with, again, pacing yourself. I think there's many elements kind of in terms of how to, like, nourish yourself and um, nourish your kind of constructive engagement in university that I think are important. Um, One is that we live in a dreary-ass city. (laughs) I mean, I love Berlin. I, I really do. I have, like, a... I'm, like, smiling in a sentimental way thinking about my love for Berlin. I've been through a lot of things here. Um, That said, winters are very bleak. Um, It's very gray. Um, There's not a lot of sunlight. You spend a shit ton of time on trains. Yeah, a lot of time on trains, like, dramatically listening to music if you're me. Um, (laughs) Just having, like, a lot of emotion, a lot of feels. Uh, It's just easy to get, and especially, I think, when you're doing a master's degree. As I said, I only had class twice a week so there's just kind of a lot of time left on your own and I think it's really important to to be aware of like how you're working and like conscientious of like whether or not again in this kind of theme of like like what you're doing and why and like how realistic and like healthy and constructive are your aims and goals for your ultimate like academic and intellectual uh, outcomes that you're you want but also just like for yourself and like is this because like in the, in the end of the day I think it's important to remember and as we talked like you should be doing this for the joy of learning and for the joy of like developing yourself it, it should be that first and foremost and you should always have that as like the kind of guide post or, or north star if you will um that's beautiful <laughs> thank you um so I think that's important and I know for me personally I had been working like insanely hard we had these presentations for our minor modernist class and as we said and I I still stand by this um I think that the kind of structure of the course uh we had these presentations we had to give in an hour and a half um and for large group presentations yeah that's what I was just about to say is my group had and, and most groups had a lot of people my group had eight people in it eight strong personalities um it would be very our, our presentation was on fascism and I think it would be very ironic to try to, like, really stand up and boss around. And, I, and, and in retrospect, if I had known it wasn't graded either, like, not that this should be... But, like, it didn't even really matter. And in the end, this was... The purpose of this was, as we kind of discussed, a chance to flesh out and to research and work on finding um, kind of what you wanted to do your paper on. And it didn't even have to be that, necessarily. Mm-hmm. So it, there really was no... Nothing more. It's, like, it's the journey kind of thing. There's no, like high stakes here at all actually but I I thought there were and I put those stakes on myself and I was doing a topic which was fascism and I was spending a lot of time on my own I mean it's just I think I I just got very entrenched and like put a lot of pressure on myself and I think it caused me a lot of fallout um in the whole situation and and, in a way it was it, it was like a it was not a pleasant experience to be honest I think I left the presentation feeling bad and um 
and I'm not even normally someone that has a discomfort. I, I also feel a lot of people express that, like, there's something weird about the dynamic in that class that, like, once you did your presentation, you could, like, get why for some reason. It's, like, more yeah. nerve-wracking than necessary, but there's just, like, a... Yes, absolutely. Like, I don't even know what it was about that. Maybe it's because the professors would, like, interrupt and, like, call you out, kind of, and, like, a, it was, I don't know what it was. Like, I, I love public speaking, and Me I too, really actually. enjoyed yeah. my presentation, but it was... There were a couple of things. Not this is not a call out post for our professors, but if it not, were, not. it might go something like this: <laughs> one, two, three, four. <laughs> the first thing is like they didn't necessarily show up on time, which is you know whatever, but it throws you off a little bit. It does, yeah. And because this class was quite discussion heavy, it was very hard to know where in the time flow you were. And there were, these are large groups that all have disparate parts and everyone needs time to present their own little chunk. And the professors wanted to guide the conversation to an extent that made it very difficult for the presenters to guide the conversation. Yes. So there's really a lot going on. Yeah. And... This whole experience made it, it was, I wouldn't necessarily use the word unsettling, except in a very literal, a literal sense of feeling like you're a off lack balance. Of like, yes, 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 it, 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 yeah, that's exactly it, like the structure, it's like we were, yeah, you just, you didn't feel like you had like something to cling to, kind exactly. of. You felt, and, and I know, like, our group, and I think this is probably true of many groups, but in eight, with eight people in an hour and a half, um, and, and again, because of the purpose, like, the ultimate true purpose of the class, like, I think it was just, my group had a lot of strong personalities and a lot of people that didn't show up, like, it was really all over the place. I think there were people that, so there was, it was very difficult, and, and ultimately, it just I had to make peace with the fact that, like, it's not extremely cohesive, and I think there was a lot of interesting ideas brought up, mm -hmm. and I think people who did present, and ultimately, even though some of them I literally only saw that day, like, it is what it is, I, I can't control everything, and I, it wasn't really something that I wanted to do or felt was right in the situation, but... Ultimately, um, everyone had interesting kind of ideas, but it was just uh, it was just like trying to fit a lot of stuff and, and trying to make it somehow flow together. Mm -hmm. And it ultimately didn't really do those things. And I think something I learned, which you mentioned, was that if you ever find yourself in another hour and a half presentation time slot uh, that's unsettling and with seven other people, then maybe just try to like make your have like a five minute like in itself presentation that's because I think naturally the way I was doing it was my section was on proto-fascism so it, already there you're kind of set up to like want it to lead to fascism fascism which <laughs> um which I think I, I was trying to set up that but it didn't really like flow the way I wanted to and I, I just think I really beat myself up about it and came away just feeling bad and and just unnecessarily nervous and like I put in so much hours of reading and preparing my and thinking about at least my section and it just wasn't a pleasant experience I didn't leave feeling good about it and I think that kind of started this weird and I, I think it's probably other things too in my life but also just winter yeah but I just kind of got into this funk which is not normal for me of just feeling kind of apathetic about school and unmotivated and just yeah, it was like a weird spiral that I went through. And how did I get out of it? Um, how did I get out of it? Um, I think 
I don't really know. I mean, I think on one end, I, I just let myself take time off. I just, like, allowed my – but then I, t- I took maybe, like, a week off of, like – I mean, I didn't, like, not do anything, but I didn't really, like, force it. And then I kind of decided, okay, no, like, I can't just stay. Like, it's also easy to fall into just staying off. And then I think once you're maybe a couple weeks off, then it's hard to – it's hard to catch up. It's hard to, and so I think from there I tried to. This is where I got this idea of trying to work with myself and my lack of motivation. And like I know that we talked a lot, and that helped me. I think it's good to kind of reach out and to like get support because again, you can be really isolated in, in, in this kind of setting and, and doing a master's degree in the humanities. Um, so I think that was one thing that really helped me. Another was to take this more positive approach, which I'm, I'm applying now, which is to celebrate what I do instead of focusing on kind of what I didn't do or what I'm not able to do whether it's just because of lack of motivation or time or whatever but instead to really celebrate what I'm able to achieve and you know maybe I hit the mark and I get everything done that I need to and maybe I get 70% of it done and just focusing on that instead of kind of getting more in the spiral by being like why bother doing anything if I can't do everything just kind of and I think those are some things that helped. Um, also, we just got a really good weather streak. Yeah, it's, it's so beautiful. <laughs> that's, I'm not underestimating that. Um, also, just because I think suddenly it was like the end of the semester, and I think maybe the fact that there isn't – we talked about this too, actually, that like when there isn't a lot of like concrete, uh, you know, things to hand in or to do, it's easier to just like find yourself lost in the milieu of like regular life because like you – leave campus and you're just like living and doing whatever else and I think the fact that like having suddenly like it's the end of the semester and we actually have things to turn in and to finish I think was also actually useful in snapping me out of my funk because it was like okay well now I actually really have to do x y and z and so I'm going to apply these kind of kernels of wisdom that I got to doing them but yeah I, enough like wake up it's you can't just be like a blob and being like apathetic and demoralized like it's go time so. As we've talked about, like, how how dare you let Wyndham Lewis make you sad? Yeah, like, so. <laughs> can't take those guys seriously. <laughs> there's no, there's really no reason why these presentations should should be allowed to harm us. No, please. There's nothing bad here. It's yeah, such true. a such a safe space, really. Yeah, and. I, it was it was a very off-putting experience to give this presentation. I know for our group as well, um, and I know that your group had had some some in-group challenges. Like, yeah, um, but honestly, I really enjoyed your presentation. Thank you. Appreciate uh, that. It was it was really fun to listen to. There was some interesting, a lot of interesting. yeah, a lot of interesting. And it's really a small thing in retrospect, like yeah. that it didn't flow perfectly smoothly. That I was nervous, like and class I don't know really I would love to do an actually. episode on like presentation techniques because yeah. I also think that there's some like very specific technical things that we could learn from these presentations about how to effectively yeah. work with a group how to like get your point across in three minutes when you can't actually say everything you want to say yeah but that's I'm just saying this for posterity yeah 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 good I'm glad you did um, yeah, I agree with all of the things you just said. Um, 
it's ultimately like nothing to this. And I, I think that's the other thing that um, I, last point I wanted to make about this and, and kind of also bringing it back to the larger theme of German university and doing your master's degree is like, I think a lot of this pressure comes from conditioning, like comes from social conditioning that, I mean, education is a form of social conditioning without a doubt, um, especially like the uh, compulsory education, actually particularly compulsive, compulsory education is. And I think that maybe that's why these master's degrees are a departure from that because they're, 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 they're just things that like all these people decided to do. None of it is like a kind of, none of this is like required by society. You could even argue that like doing a bachelor's degree is something that is expected of, of um, a lot of people to get, um, certain jobs in the workforce. Yeah. Um, I would, I would say that it's not that the bachelor's degree is compulsory, but it's expected. Yeah, and so it falls into this kind of social conditioning trend that I'm... And so I think a big thing, and there's another American guy in my presentation as well, and we were talking about the fact that we were, like, at the end, we we didn't know what to make of it. So first of all, it's already unsettling and and weird, and there's a lack of, like, clear feedback. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, again, this kind of a theme is that that's just also something you have to make peace with that there was there is no grade so there is no clear feedback and that's or no no quantitative feedback quantitative feedback yeah well also i will i mean there was some feedback but i'm not sure it was like yeah that you know what i mean because I, I think the quantitative feedback does there's, bring clarity yeah. there's absolutely no quantitative feedback and qualitative feedback is like kind of a it's not concrete there <laughs> there was feedback but i'm not sure if like it necessarily applied to and I think in some ways it did. Like, it didn't help me to think about, like, okay, well, where, where, like, where, if I'm going to write a paper about this, like, where should I also make sure I'm, like, focusing my attention? But, yeah, there's not, like, a, a very, like, like, this or that. Like, this is right or this is wrong kind of feedback. And there's no quantitative at all. And, and I think these things were kind of made it even more unsettling because it was really, like, afterwards, like, so now what? And then I think that that also feeds into it. And I think that's something that is just very different from, as we've said, from North American university style. And personally, I think I, I think it's good for me, and I think it's making me think a lot um, about and question a lot about kind of how academia should or does work. And anyway, that's pretty much all I had to say there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, this one, we have just a couple of points left, but uh, this sort of fits in with some of these issues of burnout and working conditions. Yes. You talked about, like, you leave campus and then it's kind of like, oh, why would I know. do I have to work? <laughs> Where why? Oh my god, it's already next week. Yeah. Wow. How Shit. Did that How did that happen? Yeah. So, have you learned anything over the course of the semester about how better, where, and how to yeah. do your work? Um, so, something that we were kind of discussing uh, previously was um, that I think it's important to know that like the ways that you work one at one point in your life are not necessarily going to be and I think we have to like kind of let go of the attachment to that because I know in the past there have been times especially I think as I get older and the way that I I I think I'm more realistic and a little bit more I don't think I actually do get as caught up in like this overachieving behavior that I did when I was younger so like when I was a freshman in college I was like a maniac. I I mean, I was so intense about how I approached school and like very high, like I got perfect grades always, but I think gradually 
I went towards more like the path of least resistance. Like how do I work the most efficiently? Although in the beginning I was like working so much and like, yeah, I mean, it was, I don't really know how else to describe it with that. Um, and I think now I'm less that way. And I think, um, I think I have to kind of work with, instead of kind of lamenting that I'm not that way anymore, yeah. work with and, and kind of accept the good and the bad of that. Like I, I'm more mature now and I'm just like an adult. And then I was like a 18 years old. If I may like yes. armchair psychoanalyze yes. you for just a moment. I feel that <laughs> oh when, <boy. laughs> when I was watching you like prepare for this presentation specifically mm-hmm. and the one or two like other points in the semester, like right before you finished your portfolio, I felt that I could see you kind of be reverting to that style yes. of behavior where you sort of I think I used the phrase you were like manufacturing work for yourself yeah um and I think this is like a very easy habit to get into where we like go back to a previous style of working but in this case it's like clearly not the healthiest because that's the thing is I think the lamenting comes from being like well why isn't this working and it's because it's, that's not actually the goal anymore. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, that you you can't be too attached to like what had worked in the past because like in the past working that way got me the results that I wanted to. And and I think it's easy to try to like do that. And and I think I think um, that that's something that you just kind of have to work out for yourself and like go through. Like I that's just I need the. I think I'm a very like independent person on, on working through my own issues honestly like I think I have to like get to I, I think that there's been many times in my life where like my friends see it and it's just like I need just I need to get to that point myself to to change but basically on a more practical level on this I think something that I'm discovering that we've talked about that helps is how you because for example maybe a good segue is that I live alone now and I have my own apartment which I love and it's a, like such a nice place for me to be in and I'm happy that I have that um, however, I can't just like, I can't just stay there by myself, like five days. This is something that I learned this, this semester. And I think this contributed to this kind of like intense, like rabbit hole that I can go down is it's not, I can't just stay in there on the five days that I'm not, <laughs> that I'm not, um, at school and I, I can't just stay there and just be in my own world like I I think it's not it's not the best way to work in terms of productivity by any means and it's also just like not healthy to just be alone no (laughs) reading about fascism for five days (laughs) without realizing that you haven't really talked to anybody in person start talking to Wyndham Lewis it's happened (laughs) um more than you might think (laughs) no but um in actuality I think something that I have learned is the importance of just getting off of campus and I, I know we have kind of maybe I mean getting out of my house and for me I think we have different kind of approaches to this like I have found not that I like working in libraries but in terms of these kind of imposing it's almost that I don't like being there so it makes me work faster it makes me be like okay I'm gonna only be here for two hours but I'm gonna get like as much work as I'd get done in like a day yeah I'm this going is the to, kind of like time-based boundary setting that I find very helpful. Yes, because we and you you inspired I think a lot of this. Um, and I know working in cafes can be good, but for me it's risky because if there's just like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, and a lot of those things depend on things that are outside of my control. If there are like loud people around, is the Wi-Fi connection good today? That is. Is like there like a, a good spot feature. to sit? Like, is it? Oh no, now my computer is going to die. And is there? And, and then this stuff makes it risky because I had, like, ventured out. And then if it didn't work out, then I just, like, kind of felt like I wasted time. So And then you end up going me. home caffeinated, 
And on a train. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then you're sitting on the train, and you're like, oh, this could be time I'm working. So, yeah, so for me, I, I have found going to the library, even if it's just for three hours, and, like, just doing a lot while I'm there, and then, like, living. Because I think a, a goal I have and had and continue to have is efficiency and being well-rounded. Um, I want to be, and I, I, this is how I want to be if I am, have a career in academia. I want to be someone that has this career but also just like has a life and and works and, and but has boundaries with work but also gets everything done that I need to mm-hmm. and I think it's possible to do both if you work efficiently and you find ways to actually be the most productive as opposed to spending like three days in your house like working on something that maybe you could have done in like honestly in an afternoon or a day yeah. working this, productively this is like one of my great work philosophies mm-hmm. is that work expands the amount of time you have to do it yes I see that all the time like, if you say, okay, so I have true. three days to do this presentation, then your presentation th- takes three days. Yes, so And true. if you say, I have three hours because I'm yeah. leaving this library. Yes. Magically, your presentation yes. takes three hours. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And really, I, it takes, like, a long time, in my opinion, before you see a drop-off in quality. Yeah. In my experience. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Because, yeah, you, you, you just... It reminds me of how... Before I go to bed, I have a certain idea of how long it will take me to get ready and do the things I need to in the morning. But then when I wake up in the morning and I am tired and I don't want to get up, then I have a much more suddenly accurate idea, an efficient idea of how long it will take me to do what I need to do if it means I can sleep more. And, yeah. So, yes, I think that's absolutely true. And I think it's just a matter of working with even – Whatever you want to call it, you could call it your desire to be lazy or your desire to procrastinate. Whatever it is, to work with the reality of, of you and, and mm-hmm. that you, you know, I think we've talked about this before too. Like you you may know you don't work at night. You just can't work at night. So you just find ways to not find yourself working at night. Yeah, absolutely. And, and making peace with that and yeah. And not trying to force <laughs> yourself to do it if it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Definitely. And again, also like, for example, with this paper on fascism and reading Blast, like, again, because it's a self-imposed deadline, I can do this, but like also just being at peace kind of on the contrary with you do what you, as much as you can and like try to celebrate that as opposed to, I don't know, beating yourself up or lamenting that you're beyond the limits of your concentration and like the amount of mental effort you can exert on, uh, the insane writings of one Lewis in one day. That's also completely a valid point. This is also an important away. boundary to set. Yes. How boundaries. much Wyndham Lewis can I take in a day? And that, and you have to honor that, man. You, yeah. Do not let him overstep your boundaries. Do not. Do not. He does not deserve that. <laughs> going forward, we are going to be on separate continents soon, our glamorous lives. Yes. We're <laughs> um, going to both be out of Europe. Yeah. Yeah. In, like, opposite directions. Yeah. Uh, both still working. Um, so the German semester, uh, classes ended. They went from or mid-October to mid-February. And then we have basically until next semester to hand in our term paper. So we'll be working on those. Yeah, you're going to be doing um, your fascist paper. Yes. And I'm going to be doing my Titus paper, my... Uh, modernism paper which we haven't talked about but that's fine and then also (laughs) 
there's no time. <laughs> then also uh, the conference paper that I'm taking right. to Prague. I'm coming straight back from busy. Korea to Dude. Prague. Yeah, right. So for yeah. the last... Actually, I want to talk a little bit about um, working overtime. If that's yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this episode will never end. No time. Um, <laughs> this is really <laughs> it's a capitalist concept. Time. <laughs> um, I have for several years now identified strongly as a cafe worker. Yeah, that's true. I, and I like. I still feel that that's the environment that's best for me in general, because I don't work well in dead silence. I become like very stressed out and like unhappy in it. Um, I find German libraries, like, unpleasant to be in because they I are. have to do this garbage with the freaking locker, like... <sighs> the basket, we're all carrying on these baskets, it's ridiculous. I, I it love ridiculous. my, like, clear plastic bag that I can take in, but I cannot get down with the idea that I'm not allowed to have a coffee while I work. Like, what, what kind of life is It's this? my laptop, if <laughs> I spill on my laptop, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm not at this stage working in libraries. But for the last few days, I've also not been working in cafes. I've actually been working at home. <gasps> I know! Because of this uh, new system I've recently developed of strict um, time limits and task lists. I think because I think the thing about working at home is boundaries. Yes. And so I guess if you make boundaries, yeah. so it can help. What, what has enabled me to work at home is if I have set out, and I, I also have some kind of, like, some kind of outside accountability, <laughs> like, posting on Instagram all the things yeah, that I'm going to do. right, like that, yeah. Yeah, I, like, I'll make a list of things I need to do, and I have to do them in the order that I list them, and I have to do them by a predetermined time. And... <laughs> voila, there voila, it is. <laughs> that, that, having both that clarity of structure and that outside accountability is a combination that allows me to work at home, which is great because I live in kind of the middle of nowhere and there's not a convenient cafe. Um, Yeah. And I also think, uh, for example, I live in like essentially a studio. So the fact that like my desk and like, don't get me wrong. I'm still for some things I like, permit myself to work at home if I'm just like reading on my sofa or mm-hmm. or sometimes in the morning I think for me morning like if I get up really early and I do like and that's usually a time when I actually can be productive at home but the fact that like I'm essentially like in the same room where I'm like hanging out and sleeping and doing whatever else is that's like a lot yeah so so I think if you have like a space outside of like where especially outside of where you're sleeping I think it's it's really big in terms of all this like I <laughs> I can definitely find myself like reading in bed it's like this is no 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 get out get out of bed yeah geez <laughs> so yeah but yeah I, I think um I also think and I, I know that I've I've heard like there's a good body of research to suggest that like shifting where you work is also really useful to like uh, retaining information definitely so there's a lot of these kind of more which we can discuss another time but but yeah I don't think there needs to be one you know and again, it, it changes, as we say. Like, it changes um, depending on, like, what your deal is yeah. and what your circumstances are. Absolutely. And this is not, like, a static thing for the whole rest of no, your life. No, we can check in at the next, at the end of next semester. Yes, we definitely will. Yeah, what works and what doesn't. It'll probably be different. Yeah. So we're going to spend the next month 
and a bit, yes. month and a half, I yes. guess, uh, writing these term papers. And then then we'll have a whole new set of classes. Oh my gosh. I'm very excited. Have you taken a look at the course catalog? A bit. Honestly, a little bit less excited, maybe. <laughs> but that's all right. Um, I haven't looked very deeply. I've just kind of, I haven't looked at like the course descriptions or the like more uh, intricacies of the courses, but. Yes. Yeah. Uh, next episode, we can talk about <laughs> our course selection. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Tune in. What will they take? <laughs> <laughs> Find out next month. Um, yeah. But we're going to, I'm going to be in uh, Mexico City and Lorraine is going to Korea. Seoul? To Seoul, yeah. Very nice, very yeah. nice. I'm very excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, What if right now you're like, no Pyongyang? On that note. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>